Well, we're at an interesting point in the ministry of Jesus when we talk about the transfiguration. I mean, we, if you know the stories of the gospel, we know that he had calmed storms. We know that he had healed many people, done great miracles, that he taught with the authority of God. There's quite a stir about Jesus. But nothing was like this moment on the Mount of Transfiguration. Nothing was ever like this. It's hard to imagine what it must have been like. Imagine looking into the sun with your eyes fully dilated. That's the glory. The glory, the brilliant, shining, radiant, glowing, luminous, dazzling, gleaming glory. You see, in this episode, like no other episode in the earthly ministry of Jesus, we see exactly who he is. God is on full display. His very physical appearance is transfigured so that his divine nature is permeating his human nature and shining with glory. This is why Paul says in our epistle that the glory of God is in the face of Jesus Christ. If you want to see the glory of God, look into the face of the human face of Jesus. But this story is also a foreshadowing of the resurrection. Again, up until this point, Jesus doesn't go around flashing his glory around everywhere. And from this moment, he goes back down the mountain, as you heard him warning the disciples not to tell anybody, because he's on his way to suffer and die, anything but glorious. But on the third day after his death, on his resurrection, once again, his glory would be off the chain. But for now, the scene of the transfiguration. It's really hard to imagine and to understand. I mean, what did that look like up there on the mountain? And what does it mean for us? I want so badly this morning to have an illustration or an analogy so that maybe we could try to get a handle on this moment. But maybe this was so good, there's nothing. There's nothing that you and I have ever experienced that's anything like this moment described in the gospel. And yet, nonetheless, it's our destiny. Let that sink in for a moment. This is our destiny. Mark tells us that Jesus' clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. This means that Jesus is radiating so much glory that even what comes into contact with him, even the clothes on his body, touching his body, are radiating with his glory. So then when we come into contact with Jesus, we then become like he is. Brilliant, shining, radiant, glowing, luminous, dazzling, gleaming glory. John says in 1 John, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And so maybe a better way to see it is that what happens to his body will happen to us because we are his body. In baptism, we become the body, the body of Christ. We do more than come into contact with him like his clothes hanging on his body. We have union with Christ. We have communion. We eat his body and we drink his blood. And we'll do that until the last day when he raises us up. And on that last day, Paul says in Philippians 3, 
He will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body, like the one on the Mount of Transfiguration. And so what will life be like then? What the Mount of Transfiguration story tells us is, well, it just gives us maybe a little glimpse of life in the resurrection, a glimpse of the divine life with the Holy Trinity. They were all three there, weren't they? The Father is there in the voice, this is my beloved Son. Of course, the Son is there, the, the Jesus is right there, and the Holy Spirit's there, that overshadowing cloud. And in Moses and Elijah and in Peter and James and John, we have a glimpse of the communion of saints in light. We humans are destined to live resurrected body and soul in the glorious light, in communion, in friendship with God and with all of his friends, the saints. What we will be, what what this will be like, we can't even imagine this right now. It is so good, nothing compares. All we have is this story, this transfiguration story, which is a hint of our destiny. Because like Jesus, we don't get to stay on the mountain. The glory is veiled, and we go to the cross. Before these bodies of ours will be glorified, we will put ashes on them again this Wednesday, reminding us that we are dust, and to the dust of death we will return. This journey of Lent that we take each and every year actually describes the journey of life. In this life, we battle and we suffer and we struggle. And then we die. We die not only our bodies die, of course, but we're called to die each and every day. Die to ourselves. Die to our selfish wants, our disordered desires, and our stubborn animosity. There's not a whole lot of brilliant glory in this life, is there? And yet something in us wants it. Perhaps this is why people will do ridiculous things for 15 minutes of fame. But it's a false glory, of course, that never lasts, not even 15 minutes sometimes. Instead, as Christians, we have hope for a greater glory. As we hear this story and we're told this story, it's a hint of our true destiny so that we can keep on going as the, veil, as the glory is veiled. It's so that we won't give up. Because the reality is we are quite disfigured. We need to be transfigured ourselves. In that very heady epistle, Paul writes these words, We all beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. Into the same image. He means into the image of Jesus. We are becoming, slowly, from one degree of glory to another, we are becoming like Him. Now, we don't become God, but we come to participate fully in who He is in all of His glory. The word transformed that Paul uses is actually transfigured. It's the same word that was used to describe what happened to Jesus on that mountain and what needs to and is happening to us, transfigured. 
But the Greek word is actually the root of our English word metamorphosis. And that, of course, makes us think of these little guys, butterflies, which are first a caterpillar, a worm, which eats all that it needs, and then it, of course, forms the chrysalis, cocoon. And literally inside that chrysalis, the worm melts down into this goo. But scientists know that when it emerges, it's somehow still the same worm, and yet it's a butterfly. The same worm, beautifully, gloriously transformed, transfigured. Just take a moment to look at this little miracle of nature. amazing, huh? Beautiful. You can see why Christians for centuries have always loved the sign of the butterfly. But even there, that is not even close to our destiny. If God does that for a worm, what is he going to do with us? And so I want to leave you with just some simple instructions, not from me, from our Father in heaven who on the Mount of Transfiguration sounded out and voiced, This is my beloved Son. Listen to Him. And now this is when I wasn't, you know, one of those, Now you listen to me. Uh-uh. This is an invitation, friends. Listen to Jesus. Listen to Him and be transformed by Him and into Him. Be transformed from the inside out. As we enter this Lenten season, we are called to, to look in and to see And recognize those things in our lives that, well, we need to do that simple thing we call repenting. To turn away from our sin and turn toward God. And that's painful sometimes. At times, what has to happen in our lives is we sort of have to melt down into that goo for a while. But when you emerge by His grace, then you come to realize your true destiny. Take a moment and just ponder that, if you would, please.